I came up a little bit early because I was standing there and I just wanted to see all of you guys because as I look around and I see all of you out there, it's like, what a blessing. I was looking at a property the other day for because uh, we're talking about expanding the bridge again. And, uh, and I was talking to Rick Barnett, our board president, and he put his arm on my shoulder and, and uh, we're looking at this really huge property. And he said, boy, what a difference this is from the days that you used to sleep in your van in the church parking lot. <laughs> Amen. So, and that is all by the glory of God. And what Ernst said is very significant because the story that he talked about, the thing that made the difference is if you compare that story to us, the addicts, we've tried something over and over. And you know the old thing, you know, you know, uh, you know, quitting is easy. I've done it a thousand times. Amen. Right. I, you know, quitting heroin was, for me was easy. I did it a thousand times. I just started it again a thousand times. But the significance of that story is if we compare it to ourselves, is at that point in time, they became willing to even listen to somebody that to them was a total stranger, right? They didn't recognize Jesus saying, put the net on the other side of the boat. They were just tired of hitting their heads against the wall and not getting results, so they were willing just to be to like, okay, we've tried everything else. Let's try this. So that's the significance of us. We've tried AA and NA and this A and that A and this group and that group and, you know, you know this higher power and that higher power and, you know, and nature and this and that. And, you know, we, we have not we tried it all? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. I mean, think about how far you are right now, even tonight, some of the newer people from where you were a week ago or two weeks ago. I was, uh, I was laughing yesterday when Manny wore that hat for that, for that thing, all right? It, so, because I was thinking, like, in the old day, I would have been sitting there with Michelle nodding out watching that, and I would have been thinking about, where's that hat? Because I'm going to steal that dollar, Right? <laughs> Because I'm going to buy me some dope with that dollar. And maybe there's a little bit of residue in that beer can. I don't know. But so last week, I asked you guys the question. I posed a question. um, Is God challenging you to grow in your faith? Or is God challenging you to move on from the place that you've been in maybe for a really long time and stagnated in? You know what I mean? We get to that point where we just kind of feel like, We do the same thing and the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. And you can spend your whole life doing the same thing and the same thing and the same thing if that's what you choose. Or you could say, all right, I want more. There's something more that I want to do that I want to be. And you can actually start investing in your faith. And the way you invest in your faith is investing time in reading God's word, in listening to God's word. I've been listening to a lot of a lot of Christian radio lately, just pretty much all teaching. Um, and the more I listen to all that teaching, it reminds me of teachings I heard 15 years ago. And everything just kind of comes together and ties together, and it increases your faith, it grows your faith, and it really makes you happy that you made the choice that you made to follow Christ. Amen? You know, 
is he asking to move on from something or somebody, from people, places, and things, those, those things that we know can hold us back, right? But that guy, he's so hot, you know? So what if he peddles a little bit of dope? You see his, you know, you see his whip, you know? Man, dude's, that's sweet, right? Or, man, she is so smoking hot. Man, she'll, eventually she might go to church. You know, people hate it because whenever they start dating and they come to Michelle or I, they already know what the first question from our lips are. Are they a Christian? Oh, they are. Well, what church do they go to? Uh, well, uh, they go to their parents' church. Or, 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 I, or I, I, after we date for a while, I'll ask them to come to church. You've already blown it. You're already thinking with not the correct mind, mindset, right? You're not thinking correctly. You know, it's time to move on. It's time to think about yourself, invest in yourself, invest in your future, invest what God might have for you because you don't know what that is, right? Tommy and I were talking today, and we did, we had, you know, Todd did this really phenomenal devotional this morning, and it reminded me, um, yeah, give him a hand, it was good. Um, when I was little, and we were talking like fourth grade, I would come home from school, and my grandma would make me, it was like, it was like routine, make me an ice cream cone, turn on cartoons, I would start watching cartoons, and then my mind would just begin to wander, you know, like someday I'm going to get old, and I'm going to die, and then someday the world's going to end, and the panic would well up in me. I would, I mean, I would literally, as a third and fourth grader, get into such a panic that I would just jump up, run out the door, and run down the block until I was so exhausted I couldn't even stand and I would walk home. And what I finally realized for me, what scared me was that my life would never somehow be relevant. You know what I'm saying? We have this time that we're living for ourselves, selfishly, for our own relevance. You know, if you think about everybody that lives and dies on a daily basis, right? You hear, I mean, we think about people like Abraham Lincoln, and, you know, there's different people in his history that we think about that were relevant because they did something, Right? Maybe they did it for God, maybe they did it for man, maybe they did it for themselves. But what I am saying to you, if you're just looking for relevance in yourself, you're never going to find it. You're never going to find that satisfaction within yourself. But when you are called by God and do what God asks you to do, then you can do something that is truly relevant. My mentor when he went, uh, Bob Stewart, well, one of my men, I had numerous good mentors, but I was asking Bob one day outside, and this was before he even was sick. I said, what will I ever do without you? He said, well, when I am no longer here, I think you'll start to grow. Because I won't be here to answer your questions. So God is going to force you to grow up so that you will be me to somebody else. So you need to find your relevance in God, not in me. 
And then shortly after that, he, he had a sudden illness and did pass away. And so my, my thought to you guys, or my thing to you guys, is that we find our relevance in Christ. We find our mission in Christ. We find our direction in Christ. We find our value in Christ. And so as we continue to go through Romans, and we know that Abraham is called the father of faith. Amen? And so what I'm talking to us about is growing in our faith, learning more about God and who God is, the character of God, and understanding God is. And we understand God, then we begin to understand our place in God's kingdom, and then we can begin to grow. And maybe God is going to call you to do something, and you're going to do something relevant. You're going you're to minister to or change somebody's life that is maybe going to make a difference in the world. You know, Jeff Buck, when he comes and does our Thursday class with the bridge, he said, I love doing this because I look at you guys, the people that society has kind of given up on, and one of you might become a doctor. One of you might cure a disease. One of you might just do something phenomenally great for God's kingdom. And that's, that's awesome. So that's where the significance of Ernest, Ernst ties back into here because... We have to be at that point where, you know what, I'm going to, this time I'm going to listen, right? When people come into the bridge, a lot of times they don't know me. I've met them over the phone from like a prison. I talked to a guy from Texas the other day in prison who wants to come in. I don't know him. I've never met him. And his hope is to come here, and then he's going to be expected to listen to me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know that I care about him. He doesn't know that I have his best interests. But what he has to be is in the spot where he's willing to listen to this dude in California that he doesn't really know. And that happens only by faith. Amen? All right, so we are in verse 4, uh, chapter 4. If you need a Bible, you can either shoot your hand up and Tony, our angel, will get you one, or you can grab him in the back of the room. It's really good to follow along. It says, when people work... Their wages are not a gift. And you guys know that, right? When you go to work, you expect a what? You may be the suckiest employee in the world, right? One of those employees that just goes and they clock in and they just go sit in the bathroom, right? <laughs> sit in the bathroom or hide in the busing station or, or have a smoke break every 15 minutes, right? You may be a horrible employee, but by gosh, on Friday, what do you expect? I worked all week long. Yeah. <laughs> no. You were here kind of all week long. But there's going to be a good point. And when people work, they ex the, 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 their wages are not a gift, but something that they have earned, hopefully. But people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith. So what this is saying is when you work, you earn money, right? Whether you actually work or not, that's between your employer and you and God. But you have that expectation of a paycheck. But you cannot work or do anything to have righteousness with God. You have to, by faith, believe in Christ, and it will be counted to you as righteousness. So it's not something you can earn, right? It's something, and that's kind of the hard thing about faith, right? 
When I wanted to feel better all those years that I was feeling so dark and lonely, it cost me like 700 bucks every other day, right? That's a lot of heroin. I had to tell a lot of lies, steal a lot of money, rob, you know, burglarize, whatever I can do, right? If I, if, if I ever stole from you, I apologize, you know, in advance. Or actually, not in advance, because that, that implies I'm going to steal from you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I promise you I will not steal from you. But I spent all of that money trying to feel good about who I was. And then Michelle found me a pastor in Salinas, Pastor Herb Valero, um, that I said, then you go find me somebody that's kicked heroin and is doing well, and I'll go talk to him. So she found Pastor Herb, and I didn't want to talk to him. <laughs> it was just a smoke screen. You just get out of my face. Um, but what, I, what was hard to believe was I, I have to earn and work and steal and lie and cheat so hard to feel even... You don't even get high, any, high anymore. It's, it's called, we, you don't even call it getting high anymore. When you first start using drugs, you call it getting high. When you've been using drugs a really time, a long time, you call it getting well. You just want to feel status quo. Just not even good. Just maybe alive, right? But so when then someone comes along and tells you, that you can do all of these things and feel good and laugh and have fun by just believing in this invisible guy? The question is, are you on drugs? Right? <laughs> I don't get it. It's free. I spend all this money and I barely feel human. But you're telling me there's this guy I can't see, I can't touch, that's going to do all these incredible things for me and I just have to believe that he's there? Isn't that crazy? That's what makes it hard. It would be easier, honest to goodness, if we watched an infomercial and we were able to send $49.95, right, to someplace in Michigan, and, and we got a certificate that says you are now a believer, right? <laughs> but you, because, we, we, because that is our nature, I went to work, I earned a wage, I sent some money away, and now I'm in, in the Jesus club, right? But that makes sense to our warped minds, doesn't it? Because I did that. Because we want to do that. We want it to be our destiny. We want to be in charge. But then when you're told you have to, if you want to find your life, you have to give it up? What? To some guy in California I don't even know? So there's a lot of things that don't make sense to us that we have to just be open to. Like, okay, I will th I've done it a hundred times, dude, that I don't know on the shore, but all right, I'll throw the net on the other side of the boat. Nothing's going to happen. You'll see, right? But I want to ask you guys that put your faith and trust in Christ, or if you're the family members of somebody that put their faith and trust in Christ, and you've seen that change, Aren't you glad they listened and threw their net on the other side of the boat? Because now we're seeing some action. So it says, because of their faith in God, uh, God who, for, who forgave sinners, David spoke 
of this when he described the happiness of those to declare righteousness without working. And we all like free stuff, right? Right? I know you like free stuff. I see you guys, I see you guys at, the, at, the, at the dessert table, right? Right? It's free? You know, you're not even hungry, right? You're, not, you're like just ate dinner, but you get here and you see it and you're like, it's free? Oh, here, put some in my purse, you know? Take a Coke for later, right? So let's have that same excitement about the gospel. It's because it is free. You know, free, ferdy, free, whatever you want to call it. It's free, right? So we get it without working just by saying, all right, by submitting, submitting to the authority of this invisible God and having faith that, you know what, I've done everything else and nothing is working, so what the heck, right? What the heck? Why not? Number, verse 7, it says, oh, what joy for those whose, do, whose disobedience is forgiven. I was talking to Chad the other day, and he said, I laughed the other day. Now, what's the big deal about that, right? He laughed for nothing, right? And I talk about that. When you start to get sobriety, and you start to get change in your life, and you laugh just for the joy of laughing, Nothing's funny, but you can't stop laughing, right? You just, you can't. It's just like, I don't even know why I'm laughing. Well, you're laughing because you have joy, right? Remember that song? I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Where? All right. Yeah, I'll be doing worship next week. Thank you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll stick to preaching. So whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight, yes, what a joy for those whose record has been cleared of sin. And I say this all the time because I look around the room, and I know you all been to court a couple hundred times, right? A couple hundred times, right? Think about it. When, because when you get arrested, and I think probably a big majority of this room has been arrested, right? You go to court and you plead what? Oh, come on now. (laughs) Liar! Right? You know you did it! And you're pleading not guilty. Now, you're hoping it works, right? You're hoping the witnesses don't show up. You're hoping you don't have to take it to the box. You're hoping you don't have to do a jury trial, right? If you want to be not guilty so bad, trust in the Lord. He will find you not guilty. Now, let me clarify some of you you that have ongoing criminal cases, and there are some of you in this room. That's what I love this meeting. (laughs) If I said that on a Sunday, people would be going... They would be looking around saying, is there a criminal in the room? <laughs> uh, oh. I wonder who it was. <laughs> but when you accept Christ, you get that not guilty. You're cleared of sin. Right? You are free. 
Doesn't that sound good? Like I said, you may, and I'll go back to that, some of you that do have ongoing criminal cases, and there are some of you, um, you may have a consequence, right? You may have to do some work alternative. You may have to do some community service. You may have to pay a little fine. But that's okay, right? Because your freedom is in Christ, right? Those are just little things that you're going to have to do. And if you do them, it doesn't mean you're unforgiven. It doesn't mean God is going to look down on you. God was there when you did him. You know, think about that. Somebody said, God is with you wherever you go. And I used to think, well, he must be really bored because I'm always nodding out, right? <laughs> I mean, I am not good company. You know, I used to sit back there in church, and Michelle would elbow me. You're sleeping. And I would say, no, I'm not. And then I would, I would look, and I would have drool just all down the front of me, right? You've got to keep it real, right? I mean, it's all about being real, you know. So, but this is a place to come and change. This is a place for us to be real. This is a place for us to finally say, yeah, I, I lived an ugly life. Am I proud of the fact that I used to shoot up in this bathroom right here? I am not. But when I became the church janitor, and I did for a number of years, I was in there mopping the stall, and I can't tell how many times I thought, I'm so happy to be in here mopping the handicapped stall instead of shooting up in it and then nodding out, right? That was more glorious, right? And there are people here tonight that I've caught shooting up in bathrooms, right? There are. And amen, hallelujah, that they're here, right? Praise the Lord, right? This is not a place of condemnation, but this is a place of freedom. Like I said, the, the, uh, the, if we want to change, you know, I was recently at a press conference with Reb, uh, Reb Close and, and Casey Grover uh, for uh, Fentanyl Awareness or Overdose Day, and uh, the thing that she shared was sad, but it's true. She said, I'm going to start off by saying that we have officially lost the war on drugs. Drugs won. And, and sadly, that's the truth in, let me, let me clarify that, in a worldly perspective, okay? I am not naive, okay? And I'm not too naive to believe that we can make a difference out there, Right? Every, one more person in here a week, one more person, one more person, one more person, one more person, right? Because we always want somebody else to do it, right? Let somebody else do that. When Michelle came to me with the idea to start a recovery meeting, I said, go ahead. If you want to do it so bad, do it. I'm not doing it. I want nothing to do with it. You know, you and Miss Susie, go start your meeting, right? Because I ain't going until God called me to come, right? And I answered, I answered. Because, he, boy, he, he, he beat the living crap out of me. I mean, almost killed me. Got me onto my deathbed and then said, are you going to listen? Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Right? And that's okay. That's okay. It doesn't matter. It just matters that you are at some point in time going to go, 
all right, I, I am so sick of throwing my net over there. There's nothing over there. I don't really know you, but what the heck? Let's throw it over here. Let's do it. Let's fill this up with fish. Or it's almost like we planned this text, right? Right? Oh, we did. Okay, there you go. All right. There, there we go. I love it when people say, gosh, what a coincidence. How did Mike know that I was struggling with that? Well, I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe in serendipity. What I believe in is called the Holy Spirit, right? Because the Holy Spirit knew what I was going to be talking about today, and he put something on Ernst's heart that fit perfectly into what we're talking about. You know, Michelle often tells me, the girls on the way home will go, oh, did you tell Mike about what happened to me? No, I don't, didn't tell him. Well, how did he know he talked about it tonight? No, he actually didn't. He actually has been planning on teaching that passage for like six, seven months. It's, it's in the order in which it's supposed to come. The fact that, that it hits you right in that, that's what, that's what this is. You come to church, you did something or something happened that nobody knows about, and all of a sudden, Pastor Nate is talking about it. It's like, I know Michelle told Mike, Mike told Jeff or Manny, Manny told Nate, right? And then Nate changed everything just so he could call me in front of the whole church, right? No. Right. It's just moving away from that old self. You know, like Manny hit it perfectly yesterday, that moving away from what tempts you. We all know what tempts us, Right? I don't know how many times I walked by those little bunt cakes tonight. I turned around a couple of times because I could have swore I heard him say, Mike, I'm lonely. Please. But I'm, I, I, I'm trying not to do that. It may seem like a silly analogy. It's a little thing, but I've really committed to try to make some certain changes in my life. Some of them are dietary. Like, you know, because I love them pretzel things with the peanut butter in it. I mean, I could eat that. And I'm not, I'm not lying. You can ask Austin or Michelle. I could eat that whole jug. I could eat a whole thing of red vines, right? Michelle and I, I, I one time I got one of those three-pound boxes of sour strips from Smart and Final. After like a two hours, she's like, our tongues are bleeding, right? <laughs> Literally, is your tongue bleeding? Yeah, my tongue's bleeding. Well, we ate like, there's like 10 strips left in there. So, so I myself am learning to control myself in other ways. So, and I don't know what God is calling on you to do. I don't know what the areas of God is talking to you in your life about. But we need to be willing to listen. And we need to be willing to say, okay, I'll give that a shot. You know? So I walked by the muffins. Like, the last time was very quickly. Um, and I'm watching y'all eat them on big old plates. And I'm like, man, those look good. But temptation is temptation, right? Some people are tempted in a way of food. Some people are, 
in a way of relationships, some people in a way of you know, maybe not being honest or, or stealing or whatever. Whatever it is, it's still the temptation that, that Satan has, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You know, he has those, those, he just hits you. He just knows, right? But tomorrow morning at 6.15 when I go to, go to hot yoga, I'll be so glad I didn't eat that little, cute little, harmless-looking muffin, right? And I'll be thankful. So there's things in our life that when we overcome that, when we don't get into that argument or that disagreement or we don't lower ourselves to that level, we are thankful. We're like, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to get over that little section of thing that's going on in my life. And nothing is too silly for God, amen? Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, well, God only wants to know about the big things. No, actually, he wants to know about everything. You know, he already knows anyway, right? Then you think, well, why do I got to tell him? Right? Why do I have to tell him? Well, I'll give you the analogy that I tell people all the time. My wife knows that I love her, but she appreciates it in the morning if I say that before I leave for work. Right? She already knows it, but she, she I mean, I'm, I'm assuming she likes to hear it. You know? I, you know, well, let's say most days she likes to hear it, you know? Now, when you've been married 30 years, there's maybe days when she's just like, you just need to leave, the, you know, you just, you just, just go. Just go to work, you know. It is definitely time just to go to work today, so, right. All right, now, now this blessing, is this blessing for, for only for the Jews or is it also for the uncircumcised Gentiles? We know that the gospel was first for the Jew, right, God's chosen people, Right? And then for the Gentile, you know, it's like they rejected it, you know. So it was for them. It was theirs, right? Jesus was a, a Jew. I mean, this is, I, I'm, this is us. This is, this is for us. Well, they rejected that. And so, you know, God wants all to be saved. So it was for the Jew first and then for the Gentile. And then it goes on to say, or is it also for the uncircumcised Gentiles? Because the Jewish people believed that to be a Jew, you needed to be circumcised, right? And so that was kind of their thing, that if you want to be in this relationship, you want to be, you have to be circumcised. So what about the Gentiles that were not circumcised? Did God die for them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Whether you're circumcised or not. God forgive you for your sins, past, present, future? Absolutely, right? So God died for all, circumcised, uncircumcised. You know, we as people, we want to add a lot of stuff to religion. We want to add a lot of stuff. It makes it like a club, right? Remember when you were a little kid and you built a cardboard fort in the middle of a field next to your house, right? You made up the little knock, our little code to get in the fort. You know, the, you know, the, like, you know, like, you know, your magic knock or whatever. I see some of you guys shaking hands all, you know, just all these handshakes, right? It's your little secret handshake. Well, if you don't know the secret handshake, you're not in the club, right? See, God wasn't about all that. God was about just mankind, loving him, being in fellowship with him, and having a relationship with him. So it says, but how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised 
or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. So, we are not bringing anything to the table, you guys. Let's get that through our heads. God doesn't need you. Well, I've been trying to get Austin for, man, I, if I had Austin Kava, I could get so much more done in my kingdom, right? <laughs> right? Or if I could just get that Marcus Hicks guy, I need what Marcus has got, right? God doesn't need us. Right? He absolutely does not. We are bringing nothing to this really, really, we're not bringing a lot to this relationship, right? Anybody have one of those friends where you do everything, right? It's like, where is the kind of, you know, it's like, I do everything. I think you're just in this because I'm here when you need something, right? I think we all know somebody like that, right? They always need something, always calling you, always want something, right? Now turn that around. That's probably, I mean, think about that. God's like, yeah, where were you? You always wanting something. Always calling me when you're in trouble. Right? Just like that friend in that unequally yoked relationship. Oh, boy. Yeah, what do you want now? You know, where were you when things were going good? But now you're out of gas. You're calling my name. And you're calling on the Spirit to send somebody by to the gas can. And Holy Spirit, send me a gas truck. Right? Right? Isn't that what we do? Think about it. You're muling a van full of heroin across the border, right? The federales pull up behind you. What do you say? God, help me. <laughs> Wait a minute. God was not in the equation before the federales pulled up behind you, right? Think about that. Think about how lopsided our relationships with God are. But you know what? The beauty is he knows that. And he chooses you anyway, right? Yeah, give him a hand, right? So I'm going to read a few, down here a few more verses. So circumcision was a sign that Abraham was or, had already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is a spiritual father of those who have faith but not have, that have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith, and Abraham is also the spiritual father to those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith that Abraham had before he was circumcised. So I would ask you to again self-examine yourself and ask yourself, how am I doing on my faith, right? Think about it. How is my faith? How can I increase my faith, you know? Pastor Jeff talks about every year he does a prayer list for the following year. And it's really cool because he can actually see things that have come to fruition through prayer, right? So he writes down all the people he's going to pray for all year. I try really hard to be as obvious as I can walking by his office, being as obnoxious as I can, trying to get on that prayer list, right? Because we all need someone to pray for us, right? But where are you at in your faith? You know, 
If God came down right now, tonight, would he count you righteous because of your faith? Or do you believe just because your bunkie believes? Or do you believe just because your girlfriend believes? Or your boyfriend or your, your husband or your wife? Because faith is an individual thing, right? You can't get it from somebody else. I, I was, you know, I thought Michelle believes so much I'm under, I'm under her covering, right? <laughs> Well, that was a bummer when I found out she, I wasn't, but, you know, you know. It's like, I cover you under, under my insurance. Why can't you cover me under your faith, right? <laughs> Made sense to me, right? So think about it. I mean, think about it like that, even as our insurance, right? It's, it, it's eternity insurance. It's assurance that we will spend eternity together and I know people are like, well, I wouldn't want to spend eternity with him or with her. Well, believe me, when you get to heaven, things are going to be way different. I was listening to a teaching the other day, and, and, and the pastor was saying, Christians have a wrong idea of heaven. He said, I invited a, a preacher to teach at my church while I was out of town, and I was just shaking my head when I got back and listened to, listened to the recording because he was telling my congregation that heaven is going to be like one big, long church service for eternity. And he was like, oh, no. No. I mean, I mean, I see, I've been going to this church for a long time. Even I, if I think Nate's going a little long, I'm like, you know, easing up my, easing up my, you know, I sleeve or I peeking back at the clock, you know, going, hey, hey, you got like three minutes to land this plane, Right. Because I'm going to go get me a Claudia quesadilla in the grill, right? And I don't want to be in the line, right? So, yes, we'll be worshiping God, but I certainly hope that being in heaven is not sitting in a church service for eternity, right? I've been running the bridge for 17 years. It is really hard to get a bridge resident to sit in their seat for more than 15 minutes, right? I can't imagine eternity. Holy cow. You've gotten up 37 trillion times, right? And we're not even halfway through eternity yet. So we'll, we will be worshiping God and fellowshipping and loving and having fun and enjoying one another's company. That's what it'll be. Please, God, it will not be a long church service, right? Because, I mean, that's not, I don't even know that God would want that. You know what I mean? It's like he wants to fellowship and commune, more like being out on the patio before Regen. You know, you get to walk in and see what kind of treats did Greg bake, or what did Dorothy bring, you know what I mean? It's that fellowship, it's that having fun, it's that enjoying and hugging and getting to see somebody, like our friend Eric is back visiting, you know, getting to see somebody that you haven't seen in a really, really long time, right? That's the joy of the Lord. That's the joy of spending eternity with people, getting to enjoy their fellowship and their company for eternity, Right? To me, that's cool. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, lots of, I don't know how many Claudia tortillas I could eat in heaven in eternity, but if they're there, I think Manny and I will have a contest, right? 
we'll keep track. But so, amen. So please think about a couple of things. Are you willing to try something different, like Ernst talked about? Are you willing to listen to somebody else? Are you willing to examine where you're at in your walk with Christ? Are you willing to examine where you're at in your faith? Are you willing to walk away from relationships, friendships, and situations that are unhealthy for you? Are you willing to do those things to have a better and more complete relationship with Christ? Amen? So, Lord, thank you for, for, for tonight. Thank you for the sobriety that we celebrated. Thank you for the, this, this wonderful worship. Uh, thank you for the great uh, word from Ernst and him being transparent, sharing about the loss in his family, Lord. And we just thank you for all you're doing. Thank you, Lord, that we have an opportunity to be in fellowship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.